One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers on the station that's raising the game for women's football. TalkSport 2. and what a weekend for the magnificent, majestic Miedemar. And Miedemar's got bored in the middle. Oh, she didn't need it. And Vivian Miedemar makes WSL history. Miedemar becomes the first player to score 50 goals in the Women's Super League. From the sublime, though, to the ridiculous. Two yellows, but no red for Brighton's Kayleigh Green, as Everton are held at home. Something as blatant as that, when a player gets two yellow cards and is not sent off, can probably allow the players to lose their heads for a few minutes. And it's now four wins in a row for Manchester United. Whipped into the far post, and that's press! And Manchester United have restored their two-goal advantage yet again. All that, plus we'll speak to Bristol City women's manager Tanya Oggs to be on a tough season so far and find out more about the FA's ambitious new women's and girls football strategy. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Ashley from Putnam Hotspur and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. Happy Monday to you. Thanks for being with us. I have a fantastic studio guest with me today, making her debut on Women's Football Weekly. It's Chloe Morgan, Crystal Palace goalkeeper, lawyer, Women in Football board member as well, all-round all superstar. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it like that. But um, no, thank you very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Listen, I really didn't want my first thing to say to you to be, I'm really sorry about your defeat yesterday to to Leicester. I was hoping you were going to come in. Uh, having won yesterday, but unfortunately, uh, Palace lost 4-1. Yeah, so did I. I mean, I was I was so hopeful. Um, you know, we went 1-0 up um, within the first four minutes and we really thought that this was going to be a chance for us to really make a stamp on uh, on the league. Um, but unfortunately, we allowed them back in and, and you know, we've, we've had to debrief and, and get over it and, and go again. We've obviously got the weekend. Uh, we don't have a fixture this weekend, but... You know, we've got Sheffield the weekend after, so we're, so we're hoping to, to make amends for that. Absolutely. Right, today we're asking what your favourite Vivian Miedemar goal is in the WSL. You've got 50 to choose from. Ready, steady, go. Uh, get in touch. Tweet us at TalkSport2. Chloe Morgan, your favourite Vivian Miedemar goal? This is such a privilege um, for me to say that 
it, I mean, it's got to be the 50th. It's absolutely got to be the 50th. I mean, the, the placement of it is a classic Myanmar goal. I mean, she's driven into the box. She's gone straight to the corner and she's placed it in such a position that it's been almost impossible for, for Becky Spencer to get to. So, you know, that's just a, a classic Myanmar special. Yeah. Um, you know, going in the blind spots and, and just picking out those corners and it was just... Horrible for a goalkeeper to deal with, but a perfect striker. She's just a delight to watch, isn't she? And that's where we're starting. Arsenal 6, Tottenham 1. Miedemar's got Ford in the middle. Oh, she didn't need it. And Vivian Miedemar makes WSL history. And it finishes at Meadow Park. Arsenal 6, Tottenham 1. And I think it's something that's still open. I think a lot of the players are still obviously playing in the league right now. And I think I'm happy. I'm happy I could help the team again today. And um, yeah, I hope there's going to be a lot more goals to follow. I'm not a typical number nine, let's say it like that. But um, yeah, it's fine. It's obviously something that's like coming with, with scoring goals. So I need to get used to it. But yeah, it's, I'm happy that we won today. And that was the main focus. A terrible first half. Um, we went in and sort of had a few home truths in there and come out and they showed a little bit more passion, a little bit more grit, a little bit more termination. That was Karen Hills speaking there along with Vivian Miedemar as well. We had her, I hope to speak to, to her on the show, but she had a flight to catch joining up with the Netherlands for the international break. So she had to dive straight off. So unfortunately, uh, we couldn't get hold of her, but we're hoping that she will come on Women's Football Weekly uh, sometime soon. She's a very humble person, isn't she, Chloe? And just somebody that doesn't really like to grab headlines or the limelight. Absolutely. She seems to stay out of the spotlight, which is incredible given how prestigious she is to the to the WSL. Um, you know, the, the, this 50th achievement that, that she now has is, is such a big thing, but yet she's sort of quite a, an underkey, kind of subtle um, player. And I think that's probably makes her more brilliant, actually. Yeah, I, I love that about her. I mean, she actually said after the match, speaking to BT Sport, that she's kind of, you know, not a typical number nine in that way, if you like, you know, liking to, to, to be at the centre of everything. Absolutely. I mean, she's not a glory hunter in, in any way. Um, she's very... Um, understated almost I'd, I'd put, and I think that makes a quite a classy act in the WSL yeah it really really does what I want to know though is what it's like as a goalkeeper playing up against her honestly it's horrendous um, I mean I shouldn't say that but she's a world class striker and she gets into positions that you know she picks apart defences very easily and she gets in those blind spots and she makes those runs on the opposite ends and she has a fantastic team with her who are able to play those through balls that just dissect defences and in terms of the placement of the, the, the goals that she scores, she's not someone who's going to leather the ball at you. She's going to be someone who will find the, the smallest spot in the, the furthest corner of the goal. And that just makes it, up, makes it almost impossible for, for a goalkeeper to, you know, unless you're eight foot tall, you're, you're really not getting to some of those balls. And this is the point at the moment, isn't it? Is that actually Arsenal are playing as such a team. Like you knew when when Ford put that ball in for, for, for Miedemar for her hat-trick, you know, she didn't have to do that. She could have taken it herself, Caitlin Ford, but she chose to, to give it to Viv so that she could get three. And that's what is really sparking about this Arsenal team. They've totally got each other's backs and you can see it out there. It's not just a, co a cohesion that they have on the field. It's a co cohesion they have behind the scenes. And they're having fun. They're having fun with the football. And I think that's what you can evidently see on the pitch is that they're enjoying themselves. And I think when you've got a squad that's so powerful, so talented, and they're also enjoying their football, they're an absolute force to be reckoned with. Yeah, five out of five, top of the table, and absolutely dominant. Can you see anybody else 
catching them in this kind of form? Um, it's very early days, so I wouldn't want to say that, you know, teams can, can easily fall off form. Um, but Arsenal look so strong this season. I really think that this could be a, a sort of league-winning, contending performances that they've had so far. Maybe Chelsea might be able to, to scrape, um, you know, or to, to sort of elevate themselves up the league as well. And, you know, Man City have kind of fallen off form a little bit. So I think that there is an opening there for Arsenal to, to really big big contenders this year. I'm looking forward to watching them up against Manchester United after the international break because I think they're going to provide a really big test for them because they've been superb themselves. We'll talk about uh, their win later on, but that could actually, they could cause some problems for Joe Montemuro's side. Man United have, have really found form. I mean, when you think about the fact that they've only been around for, you know, they're coming up to the third year now, um, as a fully formed squad and, and the wonders that Casey Stoney has, has done with that team is just incredible. Um, you know, and they've brought in some absolute talent this year. I mean, even, you know, from, from the score lines this, this weekend, I mean, the, the goals have come from the, the new signings that they've made. So, you know, they're making good decisions and they're, they're a very strong side. So I think they could be good contenders as well. Yeah, and that's certainly another team who are ripping up trees at the moment and causing teams all kinds of problems are Everton. They played out a two-all draw against Brighton at the weekend with uh, some controversy chance for Sorensen to exploit that space. Christiansen brought down. There will be a yellow card for Kaylee Green, who I believe is already in the book. Imagine that being a big talking point after the game. It's a good good result for us today. Um, obviously, we, we wanted to win the game as they did. I think it was a really tough contest for both sides. We always tell the players to remain focused regardless of the officiating, but for something as blatant as that, where a player gets two yellow cards and is not sent off, you can probably allow the players to lose their heads for a few minutes. Everton manager Willie Kirk there, and of course Brighton's Hope Powell as well. So, unfortunately, Lucy Oliver, the referee, had an absolute nightmare. Two yellow cards, but no red card for Brighton's Kayleigh Green. And that just changed the complexion of the game completely, didn't it, Chloe? I agree. I think, you know, you're going to have head loss a little bit as a player if you start to see the referee isn't really taking control of the game or even applying the laws of the game. Um, And I completely understand how, you know, Everton's frustrations there. I mean, I've never seen a game like it where you can have two yellow cards and you don't have a player sent off. I mean, I've been playing football for 24 years and that's never happened. So... Um, you know, that needs to be reviewed, really. Yeah, it really does. And Willie Kirk used the word baffling, I think, which was quite interesting. Um, uh, these big decisions make a big impact because perhaps if they had had, you know, all 11 players on the pitch against Brighton's 10, you know, they would have gone on and won this game and kept their 100% record. As it is, they've dropped two points and they're now two points behind Arsenal. I would definitely feel deflated by that. I would definitely feel hard done by Um and I think that's been a, a sort of reoccurring theme, I think, throughout the WSL and also the championship is that sometimes you've had this poor refereeing, you've had poor decisions that have been made and you can't quite understand how these decisions have come about. And it really, you know, as a, as a player, you have to kind of just overcome it because there's nothing you can do at the time. But you look back and you just feel, you just feel completely hard done by. Um, but I think it's important now for Everton to... Obviously, what's happened has happened. They can't do anything about it. So they're just going to have to to move on and and hope that, you know, that decision is reviewed and and hopefully that doesn't happen again, ever. Yeah, we are going to talk about referees in in, in part three of the show today, actually, because, you know, it is a problem. Um, It's been a problem we've talked about on this show for a very long time um, as well. Everton do need to regather their heads, though, because although there is an international break, they actually have an FA Cup final coming up um, against Manchester City. 
Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a fantastic game to watch. Um, and I think Man City, obviously, they seem to have fallen off form a little bit. Um, there's a potential there if they go ahead and win that game that they might start to find a little bit more confidence and get back into their strikes. That's something they've not been able to do so far in the, in the few games that they've had. So, you know, maybe a win could kickstart things for them. But also with Everton, I mean, they're not going to be an easy team to break down. And, I, you know, there's every chance that they could be coming away with that cup as well. So I'm excited. It's, it's, a, it's a battle. It is a real battle. Everton did hit the woodwork in the two-all draw against Brighton. Uh, but it was a good point for Brighton, really. And they're just kind of steadily going about their business. They're very... They've always been quite... Um, steady, like you said, um, very mid-table uh, type team, um, but they can cause upsets every now and again. So they definitely shouldn't be overlooked. But in terms of the ambition of the squad, I don't see them sort of progressing into the higher levels just yet because, you know, Arsenal, Man City, Chelsea, they're looking so strong at the moment, but they're definitely nowhere near the relegation zone. So, you know, they're, they're there. They're there. And I think, you know, next few years, maybe they, they might start to become more ambitious. We shall see. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Ruthers alongside Crystal Palace goalkeeper Chloe Morgan. Women's Football Weekly is the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. We're here every Monday, 6 till 7pm, bringing you everything you need to know in the game. If you miss any or you want to listen again, we are available on podcasts. So you can download us and subscribe on Apple and Spotify products. Uh, next up, you'll hear from Bristol City. City boss Tanya Oxterby. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Jordan Nobbs, and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2. I'm Faker Others with Chloe Morgan, lawyer, women in football board member, oh, and uh, Crystal Palace goalkeeper as well. A woman of many, many talents. Uh, right, so we always try and touch base with all the WSL managers throughout the season, and I'm delighted to say Bristol City women's manager Tanya Oxterby is with us. Hi, Tanya, how are you? I know it's been such a tough start to the season for you. Good evening, guys. How are we all? We're, we're really well. Chloe Morgan's in the studio with me tonight, Tanya. Hi, Tanya. Hi, Chloe. How are you? Not too bad. How about yourself? Yeah, good, thank you. So, I mean, obviously a 4-0 defeat to Birmingham at home at, at the weekend, but sum up the season from your point of view so far. Yeah, I think we've we had um, our first three games obviously really, really tough. Um, you look at the opponents that we played and it was never going to be a an easy start for us but yesterday was super disappointing um from our perspective and it's certainly not the the level that um we expect of ourselves in terms of the performance but credit to birmingham they're excellent and um you know they're gonna they're gonna cause a lot of problems to a lot of teams this season so uh we need to pick ourselves up dust ourselves off and and um you know really start to work hard because 18 more games to go loads of points to play for and um we need to learn from that performance and, and move on very quickly yeah i mean obviously you've got a bit of a bit of a break how much is that going to help you, your next game's not till the the 7th of november i feel like i've been in this position before actually after the chelsea game so um, <laughs> I, I think the breaks come at a, a good time um i'd like to think that next international break fingers crossed we're not sat here having the same discussion but um we've got a young group and we need to find some consistency and these international breaks give us an opportunity to kind of get them back together and um, refocus refocus them on what we need them to be doing. So it's going to be a great uh, great opportunity for us um, to, to sort of rebuild and get our confidence back and um, then the game starts to come thick and fast again. So we need to make sure we're ready for them. Hi, Tanya. Um, Chloe here. Um, 
obviously I, I appreciate that you know the start of the season has been quite difficult for you and like you said there, there's quite a few younger players there I'm just sort of wondering how the how the squad are feeling in in terms of all this I know it's quite difficult sometimes when you come off the back of quite a few losses to try and pick yourself up and, and find that motivation I just you know from from my perspective I know that's quite difficult so I just wanted to know yeah. how, the, how the players were getting on yeah it, it is tough I think um from our perspective, I was um, pleasantly surprised with the way we sort of bounced back after that um, heavy Chelsea defeat. They were they were excellent. Um, they came in, they applied themselves. And to be honest, they were gusted with the result yesterday and the performance. Um, and they know in themselves that they, they probably need to be, be a little bit better. We, we always say to them, look, we'll give you 24 hours to dwell on it. We've got to move on. Um, because, you know, if we, if we sit there and we kind of... Um, ponder on it too long it can start to affect what we're trying to do moving forward and because they're a young group they they it does affect their confidence but they also bounce back quite quickly which is, is a good thing so um you know there's lessons to be learned from yesterday but they'll they will they're a, they're a close-knit group so they'll bring themselves together um they've already started that process now with with some reflection stuff so um looking forward to they've got two more days off and then looking forward to getting them back in and and really getting going again but you know, considering the start they've had and and the um, some of the results that that we've had to deal with, they're in a good place. Yeah, it sounds like sounds like it certainly. And also, I mean, they must take a little bit of confidence from the fact that Manchester City aren't having the best start to their season, and many of their players will be off on international duty while you guys have a chance to regroup. Yeah, and I think you know we we had two good performances before before yesterday, and it's about finding that consistency. You know, we our performance against Arsenal um, when you're you know comparing the two squads and the resources and the clubs etc. was exceptional from us. Um, you know, and and then we had a great result. Um, you know, in the Conference Cup, so there are massive positives there. We just need to find the consistency of being able to bring that out week in, you know, every single week. So um, it's nice, like I said, to be able to work with them in the next couple of weeks and really sort of um, get the detail in that we need, build their confidence back up. And like you say, it's a, it's a massive challenge to go up to City. And we've got two games in 48 hours or something. I think it works out to be, which is going to be really, really tough for our group. But sometimes that, um, you know, back-to-back games is not necessarily a bad thing. No, in, in momentum, most definitely, but an insane fixture list as always. Before I let you go, Tanya, I just want to ask, um, we were talking about the um, double, double yellow card, no red in the oh, Everton gosh. Brighton yeah. match. <laughs> you know, you and I have spoken at length about the standard of refereeing in, in the WSL uh, before, but what did you make of that? I, I couldn't believe it when I, uh, obviously, we, we had our own issues at, at our game um, yesterday, which, you know, I, I was already kind of seeding about. And then uh, I read that and I just went, oh, no, not my heart sunk a little bit. I thought, oh, gosh, we don't need this. Um, it's difficult. It's really, really difficult. I, I, I think when you look at mistakes like that, I'm not sure that, well, I am I am sure that those they're not acceptable at this level. Um and things like that just shouldn't be happening. But uh, you know, in terms of solution, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how we move forward with it. But um, I know it's being discussed. I know it's you know they're looking to address it. Um, let's just hope that that happens sooner rather than later because things like yesterday, you know, with the Everton game just shouldn't really be happening. Yeah, for sure. It needs to happen very quickly if we're, you know, to one of the best leagues in the world. But the refereeing, unfortunately, is just not up to scratch at the moment. Absolute pleasure talking to you as always, Tanya. Thanks so much for coming on. 
Thanks, guys. Have a good evening. Yeah, you have a good couple of weeks of the international break and we'll keep our fingers crossed for you uh, with the restart. Tanya Rocks to be there, Bristol City women's uh, manager, of course, after that 4-0 defeat to, to Birmingham. We spoke to Carla Ward, Birmingham head coach, uh, last week on Women's Football Weekly. And, you know, they're really doing some exciting things at the moment, Chloe. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, they're really finding form um, and you can start to see them slowly creeping up the, the table and causing teams a lot of problems. So um, it's no surprise really that you start to see headlines like 4-0 um, against Bristol City because they're, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with this season. Another team causing teams problems but not quite getting the results is West Ham unfortunately another defeat for Matt Beard and his side uh, this time at home uh, a 4-2 defeat to Manchester United here's how it played out whipped into the far post and that's press and Manchester United have restored their two goal advantage yet again 3-2 it would have been easy I think to potentially concede another we didn't we went and got a fourth yeah really pleasing we are creating chances, we are causing team problems. We've just got to tidy up on, you know, the turnover of the ball and getting back into the defensive positions quicker. Tidy up, says Matt Beard, absolutely. A Russo tap-in from Leah Galton's cross. Tobin Heath with her first Manchester United goal, a cracking finish that one. Emily Van Egmond pulling one back with a header from Kenza Darley's cross. Then a Russo header, Galton again, the provider. And Rachel Daly dinking it over Mary Earps from just inside the area, giving West Ham some hope at 3-2. But substitute Kristen Press got her first goal for Manchester United to take all three points in the end. An unbeaten start for Casey Stoney's side, Chloe. And they're really quite a delight to watch. They are. They're really finding form. I mean, they've not been around for, for too long. I mean, you've got to give them credit. They're a fairly young side, really, and they've gone from strength to strength. I mean, they escalated and breezed through the championship when, when I was playing. I mean, they were an absolute force then, and they seem to have gone st- full stride, basically, into the WSL and, and worked themselves up to the to a position where they're now sitting fifth in the WSL after their... They're third. Oh, third. Yeah, oh, yeah. Third, third, even. They are. Um, third in the WSL after only the third, what, their second season now? Yeah, um, what I'm loving about this season is that, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the top three and who can break into that. And then you've got, you know, Everton doing that, Manchester United doing that at the moment. It's fascinating to watch. It's going to be a really exciting end to the season. West Ham, unfortunately, though, still with just the one point on on the board. But the performances seem to be there. As Matt Beard says, they just need to tidy up. I agree. Um, you know, they've, they've got heart, they've got passion. Um, they've got Matt Beard behind them and he's an absolute... Um, well, he's a he's he's a, the kind of person who will just he will push for excellence and he wants excellence and he's very um, he's a very friendly guy but he's very passionate about about the squad um, and he's been there for for such a long time and I think there's a real kind of sense of teamwork and graft with with West Ham but you know again when you're coming up against the likes of Russo Heath Press I mean that they're they're difficult that's that's such a difficult team to to go against so you know credit to West Ham for for bringing two back I mean you never want to see a score that's 4-0 5-0 that starts to look um, you know, that's, that's a, a bit of a confidence-bashing thing. But, yeah, but and imbalances the league as well, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, Reading won, Manchester City won. Um, Eichel and putting Reading ahead after three minutes and then Sam Mewis equalising in the second half. Some great saves from Grace Maloney and the Reading goal as well, keeping them in it. Um, but they're dropping a lot of points this season, Manchester City. Is it too early? They're seven points behind the top of the table. Is it too early to rule them out of the title? Or, you know, I mean, I, can't, I personally, I don't see how they're going to claw this back. 
it's never too late to try and salvage things and you never know that other teams might fall off the wagon they might not um, be picking up points that they should be picking up so that it is very 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 early days um, but I do agree that the Man City don't seem to have found their feet yet properly and and I think it's quite disappointing I think when you look at the kind of games they've had against Reading and Brighton they've only picked up one point and with those games you'd definitely be expecting them to pick up all three um, and I know they'll be disappointed with that I mean they've made such investment in the squad this season with you know Mewis with uh, Lavelle you know you've got uh, Chloe Kelly there coming over from Bright um, Lucy from Bronze Lucy Bronze yeah uh, and you've still got the, the you know the, the older players you've got the Ellen Whites the Nikita Paris you've got Georgia Stanway who's, who's been excellent Ellie Roebuck so you know the, the the depth of the squad is fantastic but you would be expecting more from them given, given that mm, but Reading on the other hand are having a fantastic season nice and solid sixth place seven points they've always been quite solid mm. Reading um, th- again they've always been very similar to Brighton and they seem to have sat mid-table um, but now you start to see them progressing up and they're causing teams like Manchester City quite big significant problems so you know I wouldn't be surprised if they end up you know fifth um, position fourth position maybe if they start to get get some of these wins under their belt Mm. And as we mentioned earlier, Manchester City, of course, with that FA Cup final against Everton at Wembley on the 1st of November. The only other match uh, that was due to feature was Aston Villa against Chelsea, but that was uh, postponed. Obviously, that positive COVID-19 test in the Villa camp a week or so ago meant several other players had to self-isolate. The FA agreed to postpone two of their fixtures, so uh, they still have their fixtures against Bristol City and Chelsea uh, to fulfil. Right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Rutt with Crystal Palace goalkeeper Chloe Morgan. If you miss any of the show, you can catch up by downloading and subscribing to our podcast. It's available through Apple and Spotify products. Just search Talk Sport Women's Football Weekly. Uh, Coming up, England to win the World Cup. An improved refereeing, as we've discussed. You can find out more about a new FA strategy on the only dedicated national radio show for women's football. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Frank Kirby, and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Rothers. With me today, Crystal Palace goalkeeper Chloe Morgan. Now, earlier on, the FA launched a new women's and girls' strategy titled Inspiring Positive Change. Director of Women's Football at the FA, Baroness Sue Campbell, gave us a little bit more background about their plans. Now, we are launching a very ambitious and comprehensive strategy, which is really aimed at trying to make sure that all girls and women regardless of their background, regardless of their economic uh, situation, regardless of their gender, regardless of their um, ethnicity, are given a fair and equal opportunity to play this game and to excel in this game and to compete in this game if that's what they want to do. We want every girl to have the opportunity to play, to coach, to referee, to spectate, to administer and to be in the boardroom. We really do want this to be a comprehensive shift. It is ambitious. You'll see that the targets in there are very ambitious. And we know this is a very difficult time in society and an interesting time, I suppose, to launch a new strategy. But we really believe that football has the power to change lives. And at this moment in society, I think it's really important that we inspire and offer an opportunity for young people, young girls, um, to get engaged in football. We know that it can improve physical well-being, mental health and social interaction. And there has never been a more important time for us as a sport to reach out to get everyone engaged in this sport. Baroness Sue Campbell there, the Director of Women's Football at the FA. Um, right, Molly Hudson of The Times spoke to Sue Campbell afterwards. Hi, Molly. Hi, Faye. Uh, Chloe Morgan's with me as well, Molly. Now, you know, we talk about these eight transformational objectives to be achieved by 2024. Um, I won't go through every single one of them. Four of them kind of link together with regards to like a pathway. So early early participation with every primary school age girl to have equal access to football in schools and in clubs, then development participation and then a club player pathway and then elite domestic leagues and competitions. Um, England to win a major tournament, uh, football for everyone, uh, coaching as well supporting the development of coaches and then refereeing which is a key one ensuring that every female referee is afforded high quality bespoke learning and development opportunities from grassroots uh, through to the elite game and that's really fascinating bearing in mind what happened uh, this weekend with a high profile um, mistake by Lucy Oliver in the Everton Brighton game. Yes it's it's definitely a, a really interesting one it's one that stands out because Quite frankly, we keep talking about it, don't we? I think it's it's something that that we talk about every week, um, because it is something that's in the spotlight. And I think what we've seen is this ref three hundred and sixty approach that was kind of part of the last game plan for growth, and that that's meant there's a lot more analysis and the referees are getting feedback after games and seeing where what they've done right and what they've done wrong, which is definitely a positive step. And I think that the FA are taking that one step further this time. So um, men's football uses a similar kind of system where you have a coach. So for each WSL and championship referee, there'll now be a coach that will help them um, in terms of analysis and, and mentoring them. But 
the the strategy does i guess fall short of giving us that professionalism that i think many would have kind of hoped for in terms of the referees purely to kind of help them out a little bit because a lot of them are balancing jobs and a lot of other things alongside getting this kind of scrutiny every week which kind of proves how difficult it is to be a referee i guess mm. hi molly is uh, is chloe speaking hi uh Hi, Chloe. Hi. Um, just off the back of that, obviously, I, I appreciate that there's going to be more training uh, and learning and development opportunities for referees. I think, obviously, from, from my experience as a, as a player, obviously, it can be quite frustrating when these decisions seem to be quite nonsensical. But, you know, I do appreciate that it's quite difficult for referees to be dealing with that kind of stress and, and, and pressure uh, week in, week out. And there doesn't need to be any kind of um, incentive there for more referees to become involved in the game. It's more that we try and help the referees already involved. Is, was there any... Um, sort of feedback from from Sue about encouraging more referees into the game at all? I think there's more of an aim just generally to get women and girls into the game, whether that is refereeing, coaching, playing, and specifically actually something that I found quite interesting was really focusing on the the travel because when you were a young girl and I'm sure you know and as I know you know didn't didn't have the opportunities actually to get into football because there wasn't anywhere anything kind of near me. So the FA are really focusing on bringing clubs into every sort of school um, and having that sort of interaction with women's football at an early age, which should then encourage girls to go into all kinds of kind of levels across football. And obviously refereeing is included in that, but I completely agree with what you're saying. I don't think it's the most attractive prospect at the moment. Um, Certainly when you see the kind of criticism that referees get and there isn't that sort of full-time professional kind of end goal I suppose that we now see with with players like Ellen White and Steph Orton from the playing side you don't really have that as a female referee the very best female referees still aren't professional mm, that's a really interesting point Molly um with regards to coaching um they've got a different uh, strategy haven't they with uh, with coaches at the minute that they're looking into I think something that I found really interesting was kind of the the BAME coaching um, and the representation and, and how to get more black players involved in that because I think Sue described um, Hope Powell as almost like a, a lone ranger in, in how well she's done and um, that's something that they're really looking to use profiling to get black players that might have A licences whether or not they're coaching at the moment or in different sort of areas of the game they really want to push and try and get those players into the top level of the women's game which I think is really positive because that is something that, you know, the FA have admitted it and we've talked about it, the fact that there is probably a lack of representation at, at the very highest levels of the game. And, and that's something that, yes, men men's football needs to improve as well, but it probably does have a, a higher representation in men's football than women's at the moment. Mm, there have been a few things that we've wanted to talk to the FA about recently uh, as well. I mean, last week we discussed Project Big Picture with Dame Heather Abatz. Obviously, later in the week, all 20 Premier League clubs voted against the proposal, which had hinted that there could be this new independent women's league uh, with funding provided, as well as this goodwill payment of £10 million for the WSL and the Championship. That's obviously not going to happen now, but we've been talking to the FA for a while about whether or not they keep in it you know keep control of the league i know that they're thinking that they want to you know potentially pass it on what's the latest with that 
Um, so, so Sue's words today were that the, there's no long-term ambition from the FA to hang on to the league for the sake of hanging on to it, which, to be honest, I think is something that, that we've been aware for for a while now, as you say. But I think, as Sue pointed out, it's just really important that it's that due diligence involved that who we pass this product onto, who the FA passed the product onto, really cares about it and really has the kind of depth of structure and understanding of the game to push it on because. As Sue said today, what we don't want is for us to keep pushing this game and it's growing and it's growing and it, and it feels like a moment. And we don't just want to pass it on to the wrong hands. We've seen it with men's football clubs. You know, if the wrong person get, takes control very quickly, it can all go wrong. And so I think there's there's no, although there isn't a long-term ambition to keep hold of it, there's not a short-time rush to get rid of it either because we want to make sure that that next step, which will be a huge step for the women's game, is is made correctly and is made with the right thought behind it. Yeah, it's really important. It's done properly, uh, for sure. Another question <laughs> that we seem to be have been asking forever is who is going to be the new Team GB manager? Any news? Um, uh, no, but we will know when it's going to be announced. So Sue said today that it will be announced at some point in November which is kind of nice because, as you say, we've been mentioning it for a while and at least we have a kind of end in sight now, a little bit of clarity. Um, And obviously, Serena Weigman will be part of the Olympics with the Netherlands. So it will either be Phil Neville or an interim manager. But as of yet, we don't know who that will be. What's your gut feeling? I've kind of said from quite early on that I think it's better to, to stick with Phil because... Just now, particularly with how long it's it's taken to kind of get to this decision, it just feels like whoever coming in just doesn't have a lot of time. I mean, obviously, as an international manager, you don't have a lot of time with the players anyway because you only have those international windows. But when you think for Team GB, you've also got to select from the other home nations. It's a really tough job and it makes sense for Phil to do it because he's been there. He knows the players. He's been planning because obviously before the pandemic, he would have would have been Team G manager anyway. So it does feel as though he would be the logical solution and the one that the players know best in the short term before Serena takes over, obviously, after the Games. Chloe Morgan, would you echo that? Or what's your opinion? I would agree with the logic of, of having uh, Neville stay, but I do think that we're ready for a time, uh, ready for a change. Um, yeah, I think, you know, given the, the previous results, I mean, obviously, we've, you know, come off the back of... Uh, the World Cup and you know coming fourth and that's obviously that's that's a great achievement in itself but I don't I think there's a potential there to do better and I think a bit of fresh blood might be um, might be a good little injection at this point Mm. Just before you go, Molly, I just want to ask you very quickly, you had a report in the Times uh, last week suggesting that Jill Ellis, uh, of course, two-time US Women's uh, World Cup winning manager, is on the early list of candidates for the vacant head coach role at MLS side DC United. Yes, it is very early on in the stages of that particular job. But I think sort of after Jill Ellis left the US set up in terms of being the manager there, she did say that, you know, she'd never rule out moving into the men's game. There are lots of lots of elements of it that are different, but also, you know, ultimately you're, you're a football manager. It's the same in some aspects. So I think, yeah, she's, she's definitely um, she's definitely on that list. But whether or not it actually materialises is is another matter. Yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep our, uh, our eyes peeled for it. Molly Hudson, always a pleasure. Thank you. 
See you later. Uh, Molly Hudson there from The Times getting us all up to date with the new um, FA uh, Women's and Girls Football Strategy Inspiring Positive Change. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers alongside Chloe Morgan, Crystal Palace goalkeeper. If you miss any of the show, you can catch up by downloading the TalkSport app or subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Spotify products. Uh, Next, we're shining the spotlight on some fantastic charity work being done for grassroots women's football. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Gemma Davison from Tottenham Hotspur and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. And this is Women's Football Weekly. I'm Faker Others with Chloe Morgan alongside me, Crystal Palace goalkeeper. Uh, and as you know, Women's Football Weekly is in its regular 6 till 7pm slot every Monday night on TalkSport 2. And we always want you to get involved. So every week this season, we're picking a person, a club, an organisation, maybe an event from the world of women's football to shine our spotlight on. But what we want is for you to come up with some suggestions of whose story you would like to hear. Is there maybe a player, a coach or a team, past or present perhaps, who you'd like to know a little bit more about? If so, tweet us at TalkSport2 or at Faker Others, or you can email us on womensfootballweekly at talksport.co.uk with all your suggestions and we'll see exactly what we can do. Now this week, we're shining our spotlight on some amazing work being done to raise money for grassroots women football. The news that former Tottenham Hotspur defender Renee Hector needs to find up to £15,000 for surgery to save her career has once again highlighted the lack of resources and financial support for women's football outside of the elite clubs. At just 25 years old, Renee Hector is a friend of the show who's now at WNL Southern Premier Club Watford has been told she could have to wait over a year for surgery on the NHS. And among those keen to shine a light on the lack of support for clubs outside the WSL is editor of the Women's Football Yearbook, Chris Slegg, who's been doing the rounds of WNL and Grassroots Club as well as part of a sponsored walk. Chris is with us now. How are you doing, Chris? Good evening, Faye. Good evening, Chloe. Yeah, doing really well, thanks. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on to help kind of shine the light on on some of these stories, really. Well, it's really important to, to do it. So tell us how you came up with the idea for the Women's Football Yearbook in the first place. Yeah, I mean, really, it was back in 2017, and it just occurred to me, I've been a sports journalist for, for longer than I care to mention. Uh, you know, I've covered women's football kind of tentatively. I've, I was working on a few women's FA Cup finals in the uh, last decade, and then Chelsea in the Champions League. And then in 2017, I realised, outside of those really elite clubs, Arsenal and Chelsea, I didn't know much at all. I mean, I didn't even know that Crystal Palace, who play just around the corner from me, had a women's team. Um, so I started to put together the Women's Football Yearbook because there'd been a men's football yearbook since 1970. And I thought, why has there never been a women's one? And we're into our, our fourth edition now. And because of everything that's been going on this year, myself and my co-authors, Tom Gary and Bethany Pritchard, we're not going to make any money at all from the book. We're going to give 100% of any royalties that we receive uh, to women's grassroots football and also to the NHS as well, of course, because they have helped every single one of us in this country for a really tough year. Uh, The book at the moment is only available direct from the publisher, which is Legends Publishing, uh, their website, legendspublishing.net. So all of the royalties, 100% will go straight back into the women's grassroots game and to the NHS, because it just struck me that really, I mean, the majority of the women's game is still a grassroots game. You, You know, the fact that in the third tier, you've got someone like Rennie Hector, a great player whose career could now be ended because there isn't the money there in the third tier to to, to help her have the surgery that she needs. Uh, and you see these kind of stories come ha- happening even in the championship. You know, there's only a couple of clubs in the championship that are 
a full time and there's not much money among the other clubs there in, in, in the second tier of women's football in this country. And it's really voluntary work that is keeping so many of these clubs going. Mm, absolutely. Hi, Chris. It's, uh, it's Chloe here. Um, obviously, Hi, I, Chloe. Hi, yeah. Um, I absolutely love the women's football yearbook. Um, it's, a, it's an amazing um, yearbook and I do, I do um, definitely watch out for it. Um, I understand that you're doing a, a sponsored walk. I just wanted to get some more information about that. Yeah, I'm doing that at the moment because I'm, I'm currently recovering from an open heart surgery that I had in the summer to correct a condition that I was born with. And I'm at the stage of my recovery now where the physios are, are telling me to try and walk three miles a day um, to, to get my strength back. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it really feels like a lot when you're recovering um, from heart surgery. And I, I wanted to raise money for a charity which helped me and which helps um, children with the same condition because I wasn't symptomatic till I was in my 20s. But if you're symptomatic at birth, then you're in a serious difficulties. I mean, the, the survival rate isn't great. And those who survive have got many tough years ahead of them. So I decided to turn that um, sponsored walk um, into one to help uh, raise money for a charity called Rebecca's Rainbow Heart Trust. There's a Just Giving uh, link on my Twitter feed, which is at Chris Slegg. And I'm visiting clubs in the WNL, which are allowed fans in at the moment, subject to local lockdown. So, you know, if you're going to go and see your local club, check on their Twitter feed, on their website, whether they are allowed to let fans in. And uh, below the, the WNL as well, I've seen some cracking games. I mean, it stems back into the chat you were just having with Molly. Um, I went to see my local club, Beckenham Town. It's it's the very first season they have ever had a women's team. And, you know, it seems crazy. And that, that's not a slight on them. They've had to work so hard to get that off the ground, especially with, you know, coronavirus happening. But it, it seems absurd that in, in 2020 that people in my hometown, if you're a woman, you've only now had the opportunity to play competitive 11-a-side football um, for your hometown club. And that is still going on. And, you know, the, the, the first... The first FA ambition on on their announcement today is that every primary school age girl will have equal access to football in school and in clubs by 2024. And that's talked of as an ambitious plan. And I'm not having a go at the FA. It's ambitious because of society and the way that society still doesn't see it as a sport for girls. I mean, that's absolutely crazy, isn't it? That in primary schools, girls don't have equal access to football. Absolutely. In the year 2020. And, 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 um, so I hope that... You know, I, I just hope that will start continues to change quicker because it is beginning to change more quickly. Yeah, it it is, and you know, I'd rather they were doing stuff now. It should have been done in the past, but at least they are doing some some amazing things now. As are you. It's so important to highlight what other tiers of women's football um, are going through. Um, I know you're also auctioning off a shirt to help uh, Renee Hector uh, as well. 100% of the royalties, as you said, of the Women's Football Yearbook go to the NHS and Women's Grassroots Football. If you want to find out anything else about what Chris is doing, you can tweet him at Chris Slegg or at WFYBook. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for shining a spotlight on the awesome work you've been doing and we'll catch up with you again soon. Uh, Chloe Morgan, it's been a pleasure. Loved having you on. I hope you We'll come back in again absolutely thank you very much for having me it's yeah. been great yeah, it has been fantastic um so thanks again to chloe morgan tanya oxtoby molly hudson and of course chris slegg as well next week it's an england special former england and arsenal forward rachel yankees with us any questions for us during the week email at women's football weekly at talksport.co.uk tweet us at talksport2 or at faker others as well and don't forget if you do miss any of this show or you want to listen back to any of our our lockdown specials perhaps you can download the women's football weekly podcast on apple and spotify products 
on DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the home for women's football. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.